Now it's going to come and bring us our Bible reading, which comes from Matthew chapter 28. So we pick up the story after Jesus has been crucified and his dead body has been put securely in a tomb. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you're looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. This is God's word. Well, I guess for some of you here this evening, this may be the the first baptismal service that you've been to, uh, at least where someone is fully immersed. You know, you may have um, seen babies having water sprinkled on their heads, but uh, probably nothing like this. Some of you might have read the report in the Tame Gazette recently um, about an outdoor baptismal service that took place uh, in the River Tame. There's a picture of it coming up just uh, here. So... By the expression on Pippa's face there, the water looked a little bit colder than it's going to be this evening, guys. Don't worry. 
But whether we baptise in the river or a lake or the sea or a pool like we have here this evening, the same question is put, why do we do it? What is going on here? What is it all about? Is it some strange sort of uh, ritual? Well, the straightforward answer for Christians is because that is what Jesus commanded his disciples to do. So what do you may say? Well, a better way of understanding that is looking at his, his words himself. And we're going to do that in these uh, last verses from the, the passage, which Sue read out for us at the end of Matthew 28. And just to put it in context, Jesus has been crucified. He's risen to life. And he's now about to ascend into heaven. And these are the last words that he says to his disciples. So they're very important words. And the first thing he says to them is, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, authority, I think particularly probably amongst teenagers, is a pretty negative word, isn't it? Uh, Rhiannon is coming into the teenage years, if she's not there already. Rebecca's probably leaving them fairly soon. Peter, (laughs) I'm sure you can still remember them. But let's be honest, whatever age we are, none of us likes being told what to do. Uh, And when you're a teenager and you're becoming your own person, you're becoming independent, you're even less likely to be be told what to do. Especially by your parents. After all, what do they know? You know, they can tell you as much as they want, that they love you, want the best for you, but, um, you know, you you don't buy it, do you? You know better than they do. To have authority is to have the power and the right to tell somebody what to do. Parents have positions of authority, as do teachers, as do members of the government, and all sorts of people in the society. They all have authority, but they are all, according to these words, under the authority of Jesus Christ. Because he has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And he's been given that by the Father. And that means he has the power and the the right to do anything he pleases in the universe. But where does that that authority come from? Well, he has that authority because he was the one who created everything in the first place. At his command, the universe came into being. At his command, this this planet remains orbiting around the sun at just the right distance so that it doesn't get burnt up. He also made people. He oversaw the circumstances in which each of us came into existence. He became one of us. He died like us, but he came back to life. And therefore, he has power and authority over life and death themselves. So it's not an authority that he's somehow claiming for himself, like a a dictator who takes power, uh, takes it by force, and ensures people obey him through some sort of ruthless control. Jesus has a natural authority through who he is. And if we read some of the other accounts in Matthew's Gospel about his early ministry, when people heard him preach, they were amazed, it says, at the authority with which he would preach. When I preach, I'm simply using the words of Jesus. But when he preached, he was using his own words, which carried their own authority. Now, with people in authority, we have a choice, don't we? We have the choice whether we obey them or whether we don't obey them even though they may want the best for us. And if we choose not to obey them, then we face the consequences of that. 
And in the same way, we have a choice whether we obey or not the authority of Jesus. Our natural tendency is to say, actually, no, I'd rather just go and do my own thing. Thank you very much. Follow my own instincts, my own desires. I don't really need anybody to tell me what to do. And there's a word in the Bible that, that gives, the Bible gives to that attitude, and it's called sin. You might think of sin as, well, doing lots of, of bad things, which to an extent it is, but it's much more serious than that because it's a, a state of rebellion against God. It's a rejection of his authority. And so to become a Christian is actually to say, I do want to follow Jesus. I do want to accept his authority over my life. I'm sorry that I tried up to now to do it my own way, but now I want to do it his way. And there's a word for that as well, and that's called repentance. It's called turning away from doing the things that we want to do and following Jesus and doing the things that he wants us to do. I love my job as as a pastor, but um, it's not not all easy. Um, There are hard things involved in the work and one, of, one hard thing is actually conducting a funeral service for somebody who wasn't a Christian. Often the, uh, the music chosen is um, music that reflects that person's uh, life. And one piece of music people often choose is, um, you're going to guess here now, aren't you? It's uh, My Way. Usually the, uh, the Frank Sinatra version or possibly the, the Elvis version. I haven't had anybody ask for the Sid Vicious version yet, but... Um, I'm sure that will, will come one day. The ironic thing is that in the eyes of the world, to say I did it my way is actually quite a positive thing. He was a very independent person. He did what he thought was right. But when we appear before Jesus one day and we say, actually, sorry, I didn't follow you. I decided to do it my way. That will be a very foolish thing to do and a very sad thing to do because we'll have to follow, face the consequences of that choice. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. He's the absolute sovereign over the universe. And one way or another, every knee will bow before him one day. And so the passage continues, having said that, the passage continues, therefore, because he has authority, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them. Go and make disciples, baptising them. He's telling the disciples here to go and make disciples. Now, a disciple is a learner, it's a follower, in this case of Jesus. And so to go and make disciples is to go and tell people about Jesus, go and tell them the good news about Jesus, that they might follow him too. And as we've said, to follow Jesus is to accept his authority over our lives, because, partly because he's the one who made us, but is that the only reason I should follow Jesus? Is it just because he made me? Well, it's also because he's the one who saved us. Whilst we were busy doing our own thing, following our own desires, our own ways, we became alienated from God. The barrier of sin separated us from him and we deserved his punishment. And there was nothing that we could do to to remove that barrier. We We can try as much as we might want, but we are not perfect people and so we constantly fail. But Jesus, being somebody who lived a perfect life, was somebody who was able to do something about that. He was able to take that barrier away. And he did that by taking the punishment that we deserve. He took it instead of us by dying on the cross. 
So he took the punishment for the whole world, for every one of us here this evening, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be made right with God. And so to be a disciple of Jesus is to say, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you, because that means I don't need to die. I want to receive the gift of eternal life. And that is what Peter, Rhiannon and Rebecca have all said. And the first thing we do when we, we become a Christian is to be baptised. Why? Because baptism symbolises what has taken place in the life of the disciple. The Christian has said, as Rebecca was explaining, I want to put to death my old way of life. And I want to rise again to a new life in Jesus Christ. And so as they will go under the water in just a, a short while, what they're doing is, is they're dying to the old way of life. And they're coming up out of the water to a new life in Jesus Christ. Jesus was in the grave for three days before he was raised to life. He defeated death. And so as we put our trust in him, we too can overcome death. It won't be the final thing. And that is, this is what it says in the book of Romans to explain that. It says, we were therefore buried with him, as with Jesus, through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. It's great to go and visit um, Steve and Christina Craig, members of our, uh, our church here this week. We've had a, a new baby, uh, Iona, cute little thing. She's here this morning. Some of you may have seen her, maybe had a cuddle. Um, it's great to see a new life, isn't it, with all the, uh, the, the hopes, the, uh, the plans that uh, that uh, young child has. But in some ways, it's even more exciting to see the new life of somebody who has become a Christian. And to hear, as we have from from Peter and Rhiannon and Rebecca this evening, about how it has changed their lives. They're a new creation. They have a new nature now. They, They have new spiritual interests, new values, new desires and hopes and plans. And when we experience that for ourselves, as many of us here this evening have, we want others to know it as well. And so the command of Jesus to go and make disciples is not some sort of um, stressful duty we have to do. It is more, if you've enjoyed this great blessing, then let others know about it too. Because surely you'd want them to know about it. Don't keep it to yourself. But what about this this baptising in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit? Because you'll hear those words later on as as we do the baptisms. What What is that all about? Well, it's because every member of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, plays a part in the conversion of a Christian. And that is what baptism here signifies. And so it's the Father who calls us. It's the Son who who made our salvation possible by dying on the cross for us. It's the Spirit who changes us from the inside and makes us want to respond to Jesus Christ. And so when we become disciples of Jesus. We relate to each one of those members of the Trinity in a different way. We we relate to the Father as our new heavenly Father, to Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, and to the Spirit as the one who lives within us and who makes us more like Jesus. To become a Christian, you don't need to pass some sort of test, some sort of morality test or behaviour test. You don't need to show that you are somehow better than anybody else. It is simply to say that I confess that I've sinned, that I want to be forgiven. 
I trust that Jesus' death on the cross has made it possible for me to be forgiven. And I want to turn from my old life and follow Jesus, whatever the cost. And so baptism is the marking of the beginning of a new way of life. And that will be characterised by getting to know Jesus more and learning to be more like him. And that is why Jesus said to his disciples here, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. The disciples spent three years being taught by, by Jesus, seeing him in action. And at the end of it, they didn't um, get a, a degree or anything, nor did they end up in their student debt. And nor had they learned all there was to, to know about being a follower of Jesus. Yet whilst they were still learning, they were commanded to teach others to obey what Jesus had commanded them. Not obey in the sense of making sure we, we keep a load of rules that we can tick off and feel quite good about, but obey in the sense of demonstrating changed lives with the same character qualities that Jesus would show, the, the humility, the patience, the kindness, the love. We're not going to become perfect people as Christians overnight. There's going to be a constant struggle between our old nature and our new nature. And there'll be times when we make mistakes, and uh, I'm sure you guys, your friends, will say, they'll be on your back saying, you know, you're a Christian, you shouldn't be doing things like that. And you'll probably have to say, actually, you're right, no, uh, I've made a mistake. And Jesus doesn't expect us as Christians to struggle on, on our own. We're called to belong to his people, to belong to the church where you can receive support and encouragement and prayer. And I hope that all three of you would experience that support through this church. But not only are the other Christians there for us, more importantly, this is the last promise that uh, Jesus lives, leaves us here. Surely, I am with you always, to the very end of the age. It is hard to obey Jesus, but we have the one, the power of the one, who has all authority in heaven and on earth. He's not powerful and distant. He is powerful and with us, very close to us. We're not alone as Christians. And when Jesus ascended into heaven, it wasn't a, I'm off now, guys, you're on your own. He promised to send the Spirit to remind them of all that he taught them, to help them live lives that were pleasing to Jesus and to give them great encouragement. Jesus is with us by his Spirit today. But one day, if we decide to follow Jesus as our Lord, we will go and be with him forever. And then we will know what it's like to be perfect. What a great day that will be. And that is the hope that marks the life of every Christian, that this life is not all there is. There is life beyond the grave. As we're going to sing shortly in, the, in a hymn, there is no guilt in life. There's no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. So before we come to the baptism itself, baptism is a tremendous blessing for the Christian. It helps us appreciate what Jesus has done for us. We're reminded in a visual way that we've died to our old life, that we've risen to a new life. We've been washed clean of our sin and we've become a part of God's people. Now, this may all be very new to you this evening. You may have never heard this, so this 
what we call the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ. And if God has been speaking to you this evening, maybe through the testimonies earlier on, and you'd like to find out more about what it means to become a Christian, can I just urge you, don't leave here this evening without talking to it to somebody. Talk to me, to Jeff, uh, to Grant, and we can tell you a bit more, maybe give you something to read to take with you. Maybe if you're further on or thinking, um, I have given my life to Christ. I have become a Christian. I'd like to be obedient to him. I'd like to be baptised myself. And again, come and have a word with us. There's another baptismal service coming up in November. It'd be great if uh, you were able to be baptised then. But we're just about to um, have the baptism now. For that, let's just pray and praise God for what is going to be symbolised here as they go through the waters. Father God, we thank you for these words which uh, your son left his disciples before he ascended to be with you. Words which are still very relevant for us today. That command to, to make disciples, baptising them. And we thank you that we are following that um, command in obedience to you. They're accepting the authority of Jesus Christ over their lives, knowing that he has all authority over heaven and in earth, on earth. We do pray for each one of us this evening, for those of us who have ourselves taken that step, that you would remind us that you're with us every step of the way. And for those, Lord, who have not yet done so, for whom this is all very new. Lord, we pray that you'd speak to them and help them see their need for, for a saviour and a Lord, one who will fill their life with all sorts of blessings and give hope for the life to come. One who will give our lives no feeling any more of guilt, but a feeling of great hope for the future of eternal life. One spent with you for the rest of eternity. Lord, bless us now as we uh, witness the, uh, the testimony of these three people as they go through the water. Bless them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.